Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme today and certainly weather-wise and temperature-wise, it's a very different picture today to what it was yesterday. I mean, it was minus two degrees yesterday morning when I was getting up at around uh, six o'clock. And this morning when I got up at six o'clock, it was uh, seven degrees. <laughs> I was thinking, how could it go from minus two to seven degrees in just a 24 hour uh, period? And it was a freezing, freezing cold day yesterday. Thankfully, that now seems to be behind us. But the bad news is wind and rain is going to replace it. But with that rain, it will come this milder condition. I mean, we had status yellow warning for cold weather on Sunday night for much of the uh, country. And then we even had some snow flurries. Certainly we had some here in Cork last week. There was other parts of the country last week had much more wintry conditions, but they like freezing Weather seems to be behind us now. I met Erin are saying we're looking at temperatures between 10 and 11 degrees for this week, which isn't bad for this time of year. So we can forget about the severe frost. So dry and bright weather for the coming days. But unfortunately, it's also going to turn wet and windy. Most areas will see rain either Today, we'll get a little bit in the afternoon, expecting more overnight showers. Some of them will be heavier downpours. Tomorrow, Met Aaron said, will be generally wet and windy. Heaviest of the rain here in the south. Uh, there'll be more rain and showers on Thursday with the risk of hail and thunder. Again, it's going to be here in the south. And the pattern of sunshine and showers will continue into the weekend. Now, I like the sunshine bit. If the sh- As long as they're just showers and they disappear, we'll do OK. But certainly that freezing weather uh, is gone. But it's the extremes of the temperatures that really is a little bit bizarre. And some people will say the extremes of the temperatures is what's causing so many people to have coughs and colds and sniffles. And there seems to be a really barking kind of a cough during, during the rounds that is causing people to have chest infections and I'm wondering has that got anything to do with the change of the temperatures when it goes you know it's freezing cold and suddenly then it's it's quite mild and then it's back to freezing cold again one would wonder has it anything to do with that now John Paul's taking your calls today at 1850 you can text her WhatsApp 0862103103 and before we take a look at what's coming up on the programme I just want to revert back to some advice that came in for one of our listeners who contacted the programme yesterday who was talking about a recently appointed priest to her parish. Now, we weren't saying where 
what part of the city or county this priest has been appointed to. Nobody was being named or anything like that. She was just looking for a little bit of advice. She was just saying he seems to have a really bad attitude when it comes to people like the altar service, the ministers of the Eucharist, the readers, which, as I mentioned yesterday, the volunteers, the people that volunteer Sunday after Sunday and who turn up and who help out that same priest. And it's the reason that same priest is able to say Mass because he has his altar service, he has his minister of the Eucharist, he has somebody to read. And for some reason this priest seems to have a bit of a bad attitude. Now she didn't get into giving us examples of what he's getting up to but it was a bad attitude was what she described and she was wondering had other listeners come across similar and you know would anybody have any advice? How do you how do you take on your local priest? And particularly when it's somebody you know relatively new and you know you don't know them yet and I was wondering is it just a settling in period? Does he just need to leave it on a settling in period? It's hard to understand why anyone would have a bad attitude to people like altar servers and, and readers in the church, uh, isn't it? Now, one listener was on to us to say that they had confronted their local priest who arrived with a similar kind of a bad uh, attitude. And someone else says, Patricia, we had a priest arrived to us who was a very, very arrogant man and he really wasn't nice, particularly to the people that you were talking about yesterday, the people who are the church volunteers. So it was decided that he would be confronted and the error of his ways pointed out. Initially, he got his back up, but he did settle down and everything was okay. So maybe yet that is the road to go to actually have a chat with the priest. And by the way, you're suggesting of going to the parish council, I would say forget that. Parish councils are made up of yay sayers says this uh, texter. Thank you for that. And uh, hi Patricia, how are you? Says another texter. Just a suggestion on the issue of the new priest. If anyone in the new parish has a contact with somebody in his previous parish where he served Maybe they could contact them and find out how they managed him and this awful attitude that your listener speaks of. Parish council in the previous parish might be a place to start, but it has to be done sensitively and quietly in case he gets wind of it. At least if you're armed with the information, the current parish may have a better handle on how to deal with him, says Michael. And that's not a bad idea. Just maybe check in and see, has he always been like that? If he was always like that, how did the other parish get get around handling it or did they just put up with it? And I don't think anyone should have to put up with that kind of, you know, a stinking bad attitude towards people who are volunteering and who are the backbone of the church. So maybe that's some good advice there. Maybe that's another route to go before you go and approach him is to maybe see his previous parish. What was he like there? and how, how did they handle him and see how, how you get on and let us know I'd be interested to see how all of this uh, pans out we were also contacted yesterday by a listener in a bit of a pickle and a bit of a dilemma because she had recently spent time in hospital and she's home now thank God and all is fine and she's catching up with all the things that fell behind whilst she was in hospital and lo and behold she discovered that the NCT is out on her car so she got on immediately to the NCT to say I need to book an NCT but the first available date for her at the NCT centre that she needs to use is not until the middle of December Uh, and she thought that's fine I have it booked print off the booking and she thought she'd be okay And she said she was talking with a friend of hers who said, do you know that you can't drive your car if you don't have a valid NCT? And our listener said, it's okay. I've booked my NCT. So if I'm stopped by the Gardaí, I'll be able to say, sorry about that guard. I was in hospital, wasn't able to book the NCT, but it's booked now and it's okay." And her friend said, no, you're wrong. You're not allowed to drive with, once your NCT is out of date, 
that car is illegal. It shouldn't be on the road. You'll be fined. You'll pick up penalty points. So she got on to us yesterday to say, Patricia, will you clarify this? It surely can't be true. I have my NCT booked. Surely I'm OK to, to drive around. By the way, I live in a rural area. I have to be able to access my car. So we decided to take a look into this because I had the feeling that our listener was right. Once you've it booked, surely, would be, surely would be, you would be OK. But I'm afraid I am the bearer of bad news to that listener who contacted us. You are not allowed to drive a car around if it has, if it has an NCT cert that isn't fit. OK, so that's if you fail the NCT, obviously your NCT is in fish, you're not allowed to drive. But it's also been confirmed that motorists driving without an NCT will also be fined and given penalty points, even if they have an appointment booked. And that was there was changes to the way the NCT fines on the NCT. I think it was around 2014 it came in. There was changes where penalty points was added to it. I think at one stage you were just fined if you didn't have an NCT on your car or an out-of-date NCT or you were driving with a, an NCT, a car that had failed an NCT and you were continuing to drive and hadn't sorted it out. You could just be fined. But then they introduced penalty points on it a number of uh, years ago. Now, the NCT regulations allow for a car to be tested up to 90 days in advance of your test date and that's without a uh, affecting the expiry date of the certificate that will be issued to you. And the reason that they put that in place to give you 90 days, basically three months in advance of your date, you can have your test done, was to give all car owners sufficient time to have their vehicles successfully tested before the current certificate expires. So that you can't, they can't turn around and say, oh, well, I'm sorry, my test, you know, my NCT is up on... Um, the 1st of December and on the 1st of December you go to book a test it's not my fault there isn't a test available they can come back and say you had three months before the 1st of December from your due date in which to book your NCT test and there are uh, relatively serious penalties for driving a car without an NCT or an out of date NCT they, you can be fined uh, 60 euro is the fee and there are also three penalty points and it's €90 Euro if you don't, if you're late with the payment. Uh, but it's the three penalty points I think is the ones that most people worry about. So I don't have good news for our listener except to say maybe get on to the uh, your NCT centre and explain that you have to have your car, that it is now urgent, that you can't uh, wait. I think from when she booked, she was going to be waiting six weeks. OK, you have about a month left but if you can't do without your car for a month and you're worried about driving around now, now seemingly her car is OK because we were asking her, does she think her car is going to pass the NCT? And she said, yeah, it's fine. There isn't there isn't a problem with it. She just needs an in-date NCT. I would say to her to get back onto the NCT and explain your case and see if they can rush through, get you maybe get you a cancellation. I don't know, is there a list for cancellations? You know, like there is when you need a driving test you can get on a list and get one of the cancelled ones and get one quicker. That's the only thing I can think of. But I wonder, has anybody else come across that? And I don't know how many people have been fined for driving around with an NCT. Now, I was looking at some of the discussion boards who have been talking about this over the last number of years. And it does seem to be at the discretion of Angarda Siakona. So you could meet a really nice Garda. And she, you know, she might be able to explain what's happened. I was in hospital. Look, I have the booking. Here's evidence of the booking. And he might, you know, send her on a merry way. But equally, she could meet a member from Garda Shikona who's a stickler to the letter of the law and say, no, I'm going to find you. And you're also going to pick up uh, penalty points. So just be careful of that. And I give it out by 
by way of a word of warning to anyone whose NCT is due up. Check and see when is your NCT due. Uh, And if it's within three months, I would be suggesting you at least book your NCT, have it booked so that you're not driving around without a car that has an NCT and in danger then of picking up fines and uh, penalty points. Now, coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to hear about proposals that have been put forward by the Minister for Housing and Planning, Owen Murphy. He is endeavouring to make it harder for people to object to developments in their area. Now, what he's talking about, from what I can gather, is people that put in vexatious objections. And we've seen that over the years, developments that are really good for an area. And lo and behold, somebody who lives nowhere near the development can put in an objection. It can annoy people in that it's seen as just being vexatious, it's a frivolous objection but because the laws are there and people are, we live in a democracy and people are allowed to object, it can just delay developments happening. So I'm I'm assuming it's for that reason that these laws are being put in place. But the laws that are being put in place are also going to affect people who have a genuine grievance and a genuine reason for wanting to object to a particular development. And there's a campaign starting now to try to ban the ban and to try to stop Owen Murphy from putting through these proposals. So we'll be talking more about that on the programme today. Now we're going to get an update from the Beef Task Force. We have spoken about the Beef Task Force in quite some time. It was, and I had to check the dates on this, it is five weeks ago since the Beef Task Force was due to meet for the first time. But of course, as we know, there was protests by beef farmers outside the first meeting of the task force. They didn't allow some of the beef organisations to get in to the meeting. And because of that, the first meeting didn't take place. We haven't had a first meeting of the Beef Task Force Do we now need the intervention once again of the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, has intervened before in this dispute that's been ongoing between the producers and the beef farmers? Does he need to do another intervention? So we're going to get the very latest on that. We're going to discuss COPD, which is chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. We are going to talk about what you need to look out for. How is it treated? Why is it important that you get an early diagnosis? And if you are diagnosed, what can life be like with somebody with COPD? And we'll be previewing this year's Holly Bell. And it is a glorious edition, as always. I mean, year on year, 122nd year of the Holly Bell. It's, it's one of those incredible traditions that is all about Cork and and all about everything that makes us proud to be from Cork and proud to live in Cork. It's just a wonderful, wonderful publication. I, I, I love it. Every year I love to see it arriving. And you know, you absolutely know that Christmas is on the way when you're in a shop and you see the holly bough on on sale. So we'll speak with the editor. Uh, John Dolan will be joining us to talk about this year's edition of the Holly Bell. If you've already got yourself a copy, is there anything in particular that's standing out for you this year? What are you really enjoying once again from the uh, Holly Bell? Joe Heflin joins us then as he does every Tuesday and today we will be celebrating and acknowledging International Men's Day with advice for men on being mindful of their mental health. It's one of those things I think we women find it easier to talk to other women, opening up about our feelings. Now, not, we don't always do it, but I think in many cases we're certainly better than males when it comes to talking about things that are going right or going wrong in our lives. Men 
I think it's the kind of the bravado, big, tough, I'm the strong man, I'm not going to let on, there's anything going wrong with me. And therefore, because of that, they have a tendency to suffer in silence, especially when it comes to mental health. So we're going to give words of advice uh, on that. So that and more between now and one. Your thoughts and comments, welcome to Mary by text. Hi Patricia, if you get your NCT test done three months in advance of the date of the NCT, do you lose out on three months of your NCT then? No, you don't, Mary. They, once... You can apply, you can get it tested up to 90 days in advance of the test date without affecting the expiry date of the certificate issued. So the new certificate you get will still be issued for two years in advance of the date that your your, your NCT expired rather than the date that you did the test. So no, you don't lose out at all on that one. Now, somebody was on, John was on to say, Patricia, tell that listener who is panicking now because car is off the... She's afraid to drive the car now and even though she lives in a rural area and her NCT isn't due until mid-December. Tell her to ring the NCT centre in Dublin and ask them for a cancellation. Okay, so that's... Is that the only way you can go to get an urgent NCT? And then is it... Do they decide where your test centre is going to be or can you nominate the test centre? We really need to check into that. But anyway, it's the NCT in Dublin is where you need to ring if you want to get an urgent NCT tester, as John said, if you want to get a cancellation. And here's a cautionary tale for anybody listening to us at the moment who is deciding to drive around with the NCT out of date saying, ah, it's okay, I have my piece of paper telling me that I have a booking so I'm okay if a guard that stops me I won't get fined I won't get penalty points but you could and you will uh, listen to this one Patricia Tom here on about you're listening to you on about the NCTs well we broke down a few years ago and we needed a recovery truck which was covered by my insurance but when I rang our insurance company and the girl asked me when is your NCT expiry date and I said oh it's just out and she told me I'm sorry to say if you don't have an NCT then you are not insured. Oh my goodness. And then actually I checked on that. When it comes to the insurance without an NCT, it depends on the insurance company you are with. Some companies will allow you a number of days to obtain the NCT. Others say you don't have to have an NCT, but will insist obviously that your vehicle is roadworthy. But there are other motor insurance insurers who will say your policy is invalid if you do not have an up-to-date NCT cert. They will not cover you in the case of an accident. So be very, very careful on that one. You could actually be driving around not just with the NCT out of date, but you could also be driving with invalid insurance, which is obviously much more serious and much more worrying. And thanks to Gillian, one of our, our listeners who rang in to advise on the NCT, uh, on the insurance cover that I mentioned, she said she checked with her insurance company and her insurance company, categorical, your car is not insured if your NCT is out of date, but it does seem to vary from insurance company to insurance company. But I imagine the fact that some are doing it you can be guaranteed more will follow suit. It's one of those things once one company starts it all of the others will follow suit and anything they can 
can do to get out of paying you on a claim as happened to Tom. It was only when he broke down and went to the insurance company for the insurance company to say, sorry, you're not covered, mate, because your NCT is out of uh, date. So be careful on that one, folks, please. Now, the Minister for Housing and Planning, Owen Murphy, is proposing a new bill to tighten up planning regulations and restrict the ability to legally challenge proposed developments. This proposal has caused outrage among environmental organisations and joining me, East Cork Green Party Councillor Liam Quaid. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning, Tricia. Um, you're, you're welcome to the programme. I suppose, firstly, could you just outline what this bill, what the Minister is proposing with this bill? Absolutely. I'll just give you a little bit of background context as well. Patricia. Okay. Um, so in 2012, Enda Kenny's government very reluctantly signed up to an international agreement on environmental justice that was known as the Aarhus Convention. And there were three pillars to that. So the first of these was that each citizen has a right to easy uh, environment, uh, easy, easy access to environmental information and information affecting their health, and that public authorities have a responsibility in this regard. So I spoke to you recently about the whole uh, issue of air pollution and efforts that I hope to make in Cork County Council to inform the public on that. Um, the second pillar was to do with public participation in decisions on planning developments. So this was a much more democratic way of doing things rather than investing almost all authority in state agencies and in corporations. And the last pillar was access to justice. So the Airhouse Convention said that the public have a right to access the courts where a planning applicant has not adhered to environmental law or environmental protections. And crucially, it said that this access to the court must not be prohibitively expensive. Okay. Now, on, on Murphy's Housing and Planning and Development Bill 2019, as it's called, is a major rollback on this, uh, much of that significant progress that has been made, enabling ordinary citizens and communities to challenge bad environmental decisions. Um, basically, his, his bill relates to what's known as a judicial review. So that usually comes after a county council has made a decision and after Ombor Planola has made a decision after an appeal to Ombor Planola. And we constantly so, hear of community groups and environmental NGOs going for judicial reviews. That's right. So at that stage, there is an opportunity to basically refer a case to the High Court. Um, now, the new bill would expose the public and environmental NGOs to much higher costs and it would leave a great deal of uncertainty as regards cost because it would leave some of that to the discretion of the courts. So it would be, would be much harder for individuals and community groups to engage lawyers, for instance. There's also a limit on rewards in, the, in, in successful cases of €40,000. Now, to put that in context, the, the, the group in Ring of Skiddy who opposed the incinerator there yeah. had to raise, raise €200,000 yeah. in eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, to mount their challenge in one of their judicial reviews. Yeah, so I mean, judicial reviews are already expensive. Absolutely. And um, that was actually commented on uh, by an expert in, in EU law in a conference in Dublin recently uh, where he really questioned our adherence to EU law in that regard. Now, secondly, um, applicants for a judicial review have to prove that they are directly affected by the development in a way that is peculiar or personal to them. Now, the, the reality of many... This is, sorry, is, now, this is the one where the applicant will have to show substantial interest rather than the current sufficient interest. That's right. So you, you have to prove basically that you are directly uh, impacted as an individual. Now, many environmental cases are much more diffuse than that. So how could I, for instance, uh, prove that oil drilling off the coast of Kerry or off the coast of Dalkey is going to affect me as an individual? It affects all of us nationally um, in a much more generalised way. 
So this is really raising the bar of eligibility to a, a kind of completely ridiculous But like, I think, you know, the, the Minister's thinking on all of this is to get rid of, you know, vexatious and frivolous objections. That's right. Do you, do you, do you accept that there are some frivolous well, objections? I think the, the reality is that judicial reviews are already a very costly and complicated undertaking. Um, there's already actually quite substantial protections built into the process. The, the High Court has to have a high threshold of granting leave for such cases. So it mandates that there has to be substantial grounds rather than an arguable case. So you're saying it, a, isn't easy, it isn't easy at the moment? Absolutely. So there's no need um, for these laws then? No, it's it's actually... I, I, I suppose I, I, I can get on to what I think would was, was actually help... Um, kind of help make this process better and more democratic. But I, I just want to mention some of the other parts of the bill. Okay. Um, the, the, the group also um, stipulates that any community, or the, the, the bill stipulates that any group taking a judicial review has to have a minimum of 100 members. Mm. Now that's a very very tall order in a small country where campa- campaign groups tend to be of a modest size. Um, you know, you may have wide appeal within your community, but realistically, it's a small number of people on the ground who take on um, and become active members in that group. The group must also be in operation for three years. Yeah, now I think think this is the one that's probably the most worrying because a lot of these groups and a lot of the ones I would have dealt with over the years, uh, Liam, would have formed, you know, sporadically in, in response to a local environmental issue. Exactly. So many environmental campaigns, they spring up as a response to a recent planning proposal that's is felt as a threat in their community. An example of this was a group I ha- I've had involvement with in the Lara, the Lackenbehi Action Group. They were a community group that formed uh, to oppose a quarry development in their local area. They were extremely resourceful and determined. They raised thousands of euro. They collated research on environmental and health health risks. But I don't think that they would qualify under the new bill because they wouldn't have been in operation for three years. They may not have had 100 members. Um so according to Ian Lumley of Ontashka, this planning bill, uh, if passed, would take a rigorous legal process and turn it into an obstacle course. Similarly, Attractor Evren, who's a, so- a spokesperson for the Irish Environmental Network, an umbrella group for environmental NGOs, has said that this bill amounts to an extermination of environmental democracy and oversight. Now, it's, so it's very clear that this bill is heavily weighted in favour of developers. There is, I believe, an assumption built into it that environmental objections to planning proposals are vexatious or spurious, and it stacks the odds so much against environmental groups and community groups as to essentially render the planning process undemocratic. I think it's all the more concerning and backward a step to take when we're in the context of a climate crisis and a biodiversity crisis, um, because as things stand, it's very, very difficult to actually challenge. It, it's essentially a David and Goliath type of contest in, in, in most of these scenarios. Um, so I think the answers to delays in, in the planning process, are the answers to community concerns about planning developments are improving that process, making it more timely, more democratic, improving environmental protection so that people don't feel that they have to uh, go into a legal battle about environmental protections and crucially improving consultation with communities. The answer is not applying a blunt, undemocratic instrument to hard-won rights and protections. And I think your your, your listeners will, will uh, agree that um, RTE's excellent 
uh, documentaries last week on climate change really highlighted that if we are to have development of any kinds in the future, we have to make protection of the environment. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Okay. There's a petition up online, uh, Liam, to try to stop that bill. Is it gaining traction? Um, I, well, I've signed, I've signed a petition myself. I haven't checked how many signatures are on it, but I know that it's, it's been shared uh, widely across social media um, and not just in environmental fora, but more generally. So I'd imagine, um, you know, it, it, it has quite a bit of traction behind it. Okay. Um, Minister Murphy plans to try and make this law by Easter, so there's a huge degree of concern about this. And I really hope that uh, Fianna Fáil, you know, crucially, will, will come out against it. OK. All right. We'll keep a close eye on it, uh, Liam. In the meantime, thank you for that. And thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you very much. Good morning to you. That is uh, Green Party East Cork Councillor Liam Quaid. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Molly, Adele and Madonna, they what I play, plus you on the phone. Good afternoon, Nick. Cold Rack Shirley calling. I play what you pick. Everybody wants to rule the world by tears for fears. And I could be sending you to see Santa and Blani. I would like to bring you a very special present. What is it, Santa? Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. Now, five weeks ago and the new beef task force was due to meet for the first time to examine the future of the beef industry in Ireland. The task force was agreed by beef farmers and organisations and representatives of the beef processing sector following weeks of protests. Unfortunately, the first meeting was adjourned until further notice. Helen O'Sullivan from Beef Plan Beef Plan Movement joins me to outline where we are now. Uh, Good morning to you, Helen. Good morning, Tricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Now, the first meeting didn't happen because the delegation from the Meat Industry Ireland group were prevented from entering the building by protesters. Were you for or against those protests? Well, that's right, Tricia. Well, you know, unfortunately, there are still injunctions hanging over those people. So I could understand why they had to do it. But at the same time, it was a pity that the Beef Task Force wasn't able to go ahead. Um, like I said, that was supposed to happen on the 14th of October. It's now five weeks later and still nothing happening. But to be fair to those people that did protest, um, the meat industry didn't stand up to their side of the deal. Um, at the time, it was agreed that all injunctions were lifted off all the farmers. Now, these people got these injunctions outside C&D Foods. That'd be like a pet food yeah. factory. Yeah. So, um, you know, what the meat industry are kind of saying is that that wasn't part of it. But when, in fact, um, Patricia... That is part of the ABP group. Mm-hmm. So they should have been, you know, abolished as well, those injunctions. And it's three, isn't it? It's against three farmers, I think. It's actually two. There was two. three there at the moment, but it's turned out that there's two now. Okay. Yeah. And are, so they, still, are they still in place? Yeah, they're still in place. Okay. They're still in place, Tricia. And, you know, it's five weeks later. So, um, you know, they should have been lifted. That was part of the agreement. And, you know, as time is ticking, there's an awful lot of stuff that needs to be kind of ironed out in the beef industry, as you know. So every day is nearly too long, so that sort of way. Has there been any move to reconvene no the meeting? Move, no move whatsoever. The last I heard that um, Cormac Healy, who is the representative of the Meat Industry Ireland, was too stressed to come back. So as you can imagine, the farmers have been stressed for the last 25 years or more, so they'd be very anxious to get this up and running again. And I'm, I imagine the poor farmers with the injunctions hanging over their yes, heads are, 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 are very well, are very stressed uh, men yes. as well. Um, Absolutely. Okay, there was an agreement reached on September 15th. and um, That's right. Have any actions been implemented? Well, like that now, we were supposed to get an 8 cent rise on the meat. 
the factories don't seem to be wanting to take any meat at the moment. There seems to be a backlog, which I think we're nearly to the end of. Um, I think what's happening is the factories are only killing cattle to order. So they're not filling up their their stores as such because, again, with the whole uncertainty of Brexit, they don't know what's around the corner. So they probably will let the farmer take that hit as opposed to the factory. But, you know, the rumour has been out there because of the protest that this is happening. But in fact, I don't think that is the truth. I think the factories are just saying it's safe. They're only taking in what they need at the moment and letting farmers kind of sit on the fence and, you know, let them take the blunt of it then if there is something going to happen with Brexit come January. We don't know. That's ongoing for the last three years. You know, they just seem to be kicking the can down the road there. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And ha- beef, um, of, of you know, this was all about beef prices, um, Helen. Have they returned to any kind of reasonable level for farmers? Not really, not really, no. No, there has been some of the good news recently. Um, there has been markets, uh, new markets announced for China where we hope to export 25,000 to 30,000 tonnes of Irish beef. Okay. So this is, you know, this is positive news for Ireland because... Um, it would be worth about 120 million euros to the beef industry. Um, as you know, the Chinese delegates came over here to Ireland and checked Dur- out the During the protests, and which the protests, were facilitated. That's, right. that's correct, yeah, yeah. We, we facilitated that. And, um, you know, we we're always uh, very happy to welcome new businesses and new markets for the farmers. So our factories met their high standards and the Chinese do have high standards. So that will tell you the quality of our standards and of our beef. Um, like I'm always saying, we have the best grass-fed uh, product in the world, Patricia. So therefore, we should be getting the best price. And, and China, China that, the they get. and that chi- opening up that Chinese market that will help in some way if there was a tough Brexit to cushion the blow, exactly. wouldn't it? Yes. Oh, absolutely, Patricia. Like you know, it's like somebody said. Maybe we've turned a corner, and hopefully, we have, because it's just been a struggle for so many years now, and the farmers have been deflated for so long, and. This is a little bit of good news. Uh, already prices are kind of creeping up globally. Again, Ireland are down there at the bottom of the scale on the lower end price uh, bracket along with Brazil and Argentina. So I would hope these new markets will pass the price back on to the farmer. It will have to create a demand for the beef. So this is positive news going forward. Again, with the whole uncertainty of Brexit, this would be a new market for us. And it would be very welcome news. Okay, but um, you need you need farmers now need and want the beef task force up and running. Absolutely, Patricia. Um, you know the last one of the last times I was on your program, you know I called on Mr. Creed to intervene with the beef talks at that time, mm-hmm. and he did. So I'm calling on Mr. Creed now again today, if he's listening or if his colleagues are listening, to please come out and intervene now to get this beef task force up and running. There are an awful lot of issues that need to be ironed out. Um, you know, there's serious issues there that are affecting different things, i.e. the price at the moment. You know, the factories aren't engaging with us. We have producer organisation groups approved. They don't seem to be engaging with those. So there's a lot of things that we need to kind of clarify and need to be ironed out. And without the Beef Task Force, Patricia, we cannot do this. So I'm urging Mr Creed to come out and intervene. He has the power to get this up and running. You know, abolish those injunctions that are over those people. That was part of the agreement. Remove those. Seeing these foods is part of the ABP group. Mm. So they need to just, they need to, you know, step up to the mark here and, and resolve this ASAP and try and get the talks up and running, hopefully for next week. Is there a very bad feeling now at the moment between the farmers and the beef producers? I mean, it was, it got pretty nasty during the protests that time, uh, Helen. I mean, I know you were one of the farmers out protesting. None of you wanted to be out there protesting outside the gates. But what's, what are relationships like between both sides? Yeah, I suppose our relationships aren't great. Um, you, I've, I've spoken with a lot of people and they've said that the factories aren't taking their cattle. 
because they're on the picket line. Yeah. I, I was named as one of those. Now, in fairness, I did get cattle uh, into a factory later on up in care. Not as many as I, as I would like. Uh, I still have a lot of cattle left that were supposed to win in August. So I'm left with a lot of cattle. I'm sure a lot of people are left with a lot of cattle. Our relationships aren't great at the moment, but we would hope they will improve. Um, you know, And that's where the Beef happen. Task Force can help. That's where the Beef Task Force yeah. can step in now, Patricia, and help us achieve that. You know, we didn't want to spend endless weeks, and I must commend the farmers for spending day in, day out, day and night, men, women and children. In fairness, they, their whole lives are put on hold because it's their livelihoods we're talking about. So, um, you know, they really put their all into it. So it'd be great if, they got, if we got a return for those farmers and try and get, you know, a cost reduction is all we're looking for here, just so we can stay sustainable and keep rural Ireland operating. The farmers have a very important role, role in the rural economy, as we all know, and we create a lot of employment to people. So we'd like to keep the likes of the meat factories open. You saw what happened when they weren't able to get their, their supply of meat. Mm. So again, think of all those jobs that w- could be lost, along with contractors and co-ops and merchants, etc. Lo- you know, it goes on and on. What's Christmas going to be like for a lot of beef farmers this year, Helen? Um, I'd say a lot of beef farmers are going to be very worried, Patricia. We have, not only have we the bad prices in the factories at the moment, we have the Brexit thing, which has been going on for the last three years, and will possibly go on for another year. They'll possibly kick that can down the road and extend the deadline out until the end of the year again. We have the whole Mercosur deal, you know, that's we don't know what's going to happen there. And then climate control is another big issue. There the previous week, it's been all over the television. I feel again that, um, you know, farming is the easy target. They seem to be picking on the farmers again for that. And it just looks like to me that they just want to get rid of the beef farmer and set trees, which is very unfair. I personally myself wouldn't like to see any trees around me or in the area because I would feel you're, you're closing up the area. And, you know, in fact, farmers are, um, you know, help to this carbon dioxide because we set a lot of hedgerows, we have a lot of grass, and that's a carbon sink for uh, you know all the bad gases the carbon etc yeah I think so it's every, everyone has to work together it's the only way do. Yeah, and, and there's I, no I point pointing the finger of blame at one group everybody has yes, to everyone, seems everyone to has to work together there's no mention of the 10,000 planes that are flying overhead every minute you know there's no mention of those and I feel that the government aren't supporting the farmers either and we have to remember Patricia you know when the building boom burst that time I mean who held the country together and up to very recently and still today just the farmers are keeping the people in employment. Okay. So I feel the government could help more with right. anaerobic digesters that will help with all this carbon dioxide. And in fact, we could create gas for the grid. Okay. Um, and the call has gone out for Minister Michael Creed to please intervene. Listen, Helen, I've got to leave it there. Thank you for that. Sorry, and just, uh, can I just announce a meeting we're having this Thursday night? Sorry. Very quickly, yeah? Yeah, sorry, in the Parker Hotel at 8pm. It's a beef plan information meeting. We'll have speakers there, Miguel O'Neill, on the benefits of grass-fed beef. We'll have Martin Ryan from the HSC on health and well-being. There'll be a Dermot O'Brien from Kerry who will give a talk on the talks that happened above in Dublin and go through that quite clearly. Okay. We'll have talks on the POs. And uh, it would be very important tonight. And I would advise all farmers if they could make it to be Th- there. Thursday night? Thursday night, 8pm in the Parkway Hotel. OK, thanks for that, Helen. And thanks, uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. 
find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Great, great news for rural areas. The government have finally, finally, finally signed off on what is now a €3 billion national broadband plan. It has been beset with delays. But uh, finally, finally, with this in place... Are we getting a step closer to over 500,000? I reckon 540,000 homes and businesses will be connected to high-speed internet in rural Ireland. It will mean 1.1 million people, mainly living and working in rural areas, will get access to high-speed broadband and will not be left behind. We'll keep a close eye on this story, particularly dates and times, and people want to know when, how soon, when are we going to get it? But they finally, that's the big news story out from the government today. They have signed off on the National Broadband Plan. Now, some of your calls coming into the programme this morning on planning when we were discussing what uh, Minister Owen um, uh, the Minister for Housing is planning on doing and uh, trying to make it harder for people who want to object to a planning development in their area. Marion in Canturk says, what about all those wind developments across Two Hollow? So many communities were against them, especially the ones being very close to homes. If this if this bill goes ahead, it will affect so many people. And Jude is in East Cork and says, typical, when people object to something that could harm their community, the government will now come in and try and stop them from doing it. Where is democracy in all of that? Uh, this. And on NCTs, now we're still getting a lot of calls about NCTs and I think we've put fear in a lot of people when we've discovered that if you are driving around and your NCT is out of date, A, it's very possible that you're, you're not covered by insurance. It depends on what insurance company you're with. But B, if you're stopped by a member from Garda Siakona, it is at that Garda Siakona's discretion whether the, he or she will issue with a fine um, and penalty points. Mary in Malice, a friend of hers lives in Dublin and her friend is only able to get in the NCT done on a Saturday. Obviously works Monday to Friday, not able or available to bring the car during the week. So when she made her booking for her NCT she had to wait six weeks so she's going to be for a period of time without an NCT. So the friend starts to get a little bit worried uh, about it because technically she's on the road with a car that the NCT is out of date. So she went into her local guard the station, she explained the situation and she had her confirmation notice with her from the NCT. They said keep the confirmation notification in the glove box of your car and if you stop by a member from guard the Corner, who's saying Mrs your NCT is out of date the person in the guard the station said simply show them the confirmation of the booking and you should be fine. But and you should be fine really is the answer to that one. It depends on the Garda that they meet. You, it's it's at the discretion of a Garda corner. I was talking with John Paul in the office and he was giving examples of people who had the very same thing, you know, I don't know if it was an NCT or what was it, but something wrong with a, a car or something being out of date in a car. One person gets the nod in the wing from Garda corner, get it sorted out and another person gets the car impounded. So it really does depend it's at the discretion of the Gardaí, so it, it, that's what I think frightens some uh, people. I think in the majority of cases, Gardaí are OK and they're very good. And when they'll see something like that, they'll wave you on. 
but you can't be 100% sure. And I think what what more worried me was Tom, who gave the example of his car breaking down and he, as part of his insurance, you know, he was covered on his insurance for a recovery truck to come. So the recovery truck came along. Tom rings the insurance to say, bit of a problem here, broken down, it's been, the recovery truck has taken it away. Just, you know, to let you know, I'm covered on my insurance for that. And the girl at the end of the line says, you're in NCT, Tom, when's your NCT expiry date? And Tom said, oh, it's just out, you know, I'm about to get my new NCT or I'm about to take it to the NCT centre. And basically the girl at the insurance company said, sorry about that, no, Tom, but uh, you're not covered. If you don't have an up-to-date NCT, you don't have insurance. So I think that one, Whatever about getting a fine and penalty points, I think not being covered on your insurance is probably a much, much bigger worry. And then a texter says, um, OK, you're talking about NCT. What if your NCT is out in four weeks time and you decide to go and do the test today, which is obviously they're encouraging you to do because they give you three months while a valid NCT is on your car, you can go and get your car tested and it won't affect the new date of your NCT disc. This texter says... Hypothetically speaking, say you bring your car in for testing, there's four weeks left on the NCT cert and you go in and your car fails and you're told your car is not fit to be on the road. But your NCT on the window says it is for another four weeks. What happens in that uh, case? Well, in that case, if your car, if you've put your car through an NCT, regardless of what's up on the windscreen of your car, of your car and if you get a failed dangerous sticker then it's illegal to drive the vehicle. If you continue to drive and you get stopped by Angarda Siakona, you could end up in a very serious situation because you not only get penalty points, you could actually end up in court. I suppose it it will depend on what you're failing the NCT test for because some of them, you just come back and they do a visual inspection and you're allowed to drive the car away. So I suppose the answer to it is what you fail the test on. But if, if it's a dangerous fail, if it is what they call a failed dangerous sticker, if that goes on your car, then you, it is illegal regardless of how much time is left on your old NCT. But listen, we've had so many questions and queries in about it. We've just got none to Conor Faulkner and the AA uh, to see if somebody will be available to us tomorrow just to try to clear up some of the points that have been made because Conor agrees that he hasn't heard of many people who have been fined or had penalties for driving around whilst waiting for an NCT. But he said, yes, by the letter of the law, uh, it is illegal. And it is at the discretion of the Gardaí, but I'm really interested in teasing out a little bit more about the insurance issue and finding out a little bit more about that because that's a much, much bigger worry. So as I say, we will come back to this and we'll talk about this tomorrow on the programme. If you've got any questions, feel free uh, to get them in. And Paula was on to say, Patricia, just want to let your listeners know of another scam that's doing the round. Uh, My husband got an email saying something that his payment for his TV licence didn't go through, asking for him to upload his bank account and his card details. It was from Direct Debit Home at TV Licensing dot support dot co dot uk we only renewed our license last month so we knew immediately there was a scam thanking you says Paula well done well done and if you go in and renew your TV license at your local post office which is giving your post office business then you will definitely know that you renewed your license and you've got your new they will have handed you over your new TV license so you know that everything is above board and the very fact that it came from dot co dot uk should straight away raise alarm bells so I'm assuming that that's a scam that is possibly doing the rounds in the United Kingdom uh, and it's just 
infiltrated out into Ireland and they're hoping to catch and scam some people. You do, do need to be very careful. I know myself and John Paul were talking before we came on air today on doing something this week on the amount of scams and just to give word of warning to people, particularly between now and Christmas. They have a tendency to increase at this time of the year and that's probably got a lot to do with we're all a little bit more frazzled at this time of the year. Our lives have a tendency to get a little bit busier while we're, you know, plotting. I was going to say plotting and scheming. Plotting and planning for Christmas and life could get a bit busy and you might see something and get a bit distracted and think oh yeah I'll do that click 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 and suddenly you're involved in all kind of a scam so just be careful just be careful I actually had a call the other day from Central Africa now I don't have any relations or any friends living in Central Africa so I knew straight away that it was one of those scam calls so I just didn't answer it but it was one of the ones I think it was two rings I was actually sitting I was actually looking at something on my phone when it rang that's how it, it grabbed my attention straight away and I have uh, an iPhone so it comes up where the call what country the call has been generated from so I could see straight away it was from Central Africa and so I didn't answer it but it went it was gone after two rings and it, but it looked like it was a local number and again it, they're getting really clever with how they're doing it and of course the whole idea is that I they're hoping I didn't hear my phone ring and then I go to pick up my phone and say oh there's a missed call there and then, then I hit the number the redial number and of course when you hit the redial number you're straight away into a premium rate call which will end up costing you a fortune uh, so beware of those they're still doing the rounds 1850 and a quick mention to a judge and a case that was in court yesterday and it was it was, it was up in Dublin but it was Judge Don O'Connor and I think well done to Judge John O'Connor he threw this case out because when we look at cases that we all feel mm, yeah that should never have made it to court and I'm glad it was thrown out we're all winners because if people win on cases that they really never ever ever should have gone to court on we're all losers because we all pay for it in whatever premium we pay on our insurance and it was to do with the case of a woman by the name of Karina Fowler who's a carer living in Dublin 8 and she took M&S Marks and Spencers to court and she was looking for €75,000 for defamation. And you think, goodness me, what did MLS do to her that she won €75,000 in defamation? It turns out she went up to the checkout operator. She was buying her bits and pieces and she had a bag with her. Now, it was an MLS bag. It was one of their own reusable plastic bags. And seemingly, the checkout girl said to her, do you want me to scan the bag? And then this woman said, no, it's my own bag. Now, she claims the checkout operator says, if that's your own bag, prove you pay for it. Now, the woman got upset and she started crying and there was a bit of argy-bargy at the desk and a supervisor had to be called and it all got sorted out in the end and off she went on a merry way. But she did get a little bit upset by it all. Anyway, it seems a week later, a solicitor's letter arrived within a week of the incident uh, claiming there was defamation and they so they all ended up in court yesterday. Now she's claiming that the girl, the checkout operator was shouting at her saying to her you need to prove it, you have to produce uh, a receipt. Uh, she also says bizarrely claimed that she was falsely imprisoned even though there was, there was no evidence of that. Anyway, the judge took a look at this case yesterday and accepted that Mrs Fowler is of a sensitive nature. She's a sensitive woman and I accept that she became upset but the fact is she was upset does not give rise to a defamation action. By the way, she was the only one in the queue there wasn't anyone behind her so nobody else would have even heard the checkout operator saying do you want me to scan that bag? 
and for the woman to say, no, I brought that bag with me, kind of that sort of a conversation that went on. And, I, you know, I don't know. She's claiming that the, the, the shop assistant said to her, prove it, how do you prove it? Now, I, that seems a bizarre thing because we've all reused bags in the same shop and that has gone through my mind as I'm queuing up and I'll have the bag in my hand saying, oh, does my bag look sufficiently old? Will they know that I've already paid for it? I have to say that has happened, but I don't think even if it was said to me, do you want me to scan the bag and for me to say, no, that's an old bag I've already, no, I've already used it. I'd, I don't think I would feel I was being singled out for being asked that and seemingly it's kind of a standard procedure they ask everybody if they have a bag in their hand do you want me to scan that in case somebody's forgotten to scan it because you know you pick up the bag on the way up to the checkout and you might just absentmindedly forget oh I need to scan the bag uh, as well but anyway the judge says Sorry that you were upset, but it doesn't give rise to a defamation action. And what's also very interesting in this particular case is Judge O'Connor made no order for costs. It was in the circuit civil court. But he warned that in future claims where there was no evidence of defamation, he would award costs against the plaintiff. Woo, woo, woo. I think people are going to have to really stop and think before you jump in and think, this is defamation and even if it was defamation is it what 75,000 euro for somebody querying is that bag yours or not I don't know I don't know but anyway it's one of those cases they're not victimless crimes and they're not we all suffer because of cases like that if, if more and more cases like that go through and more and more people end up getting 75,000 euro because they feel they were uh, defamed as I say we all end up it's not a crime actually I'm wrong to say it's a, it was a crime it's not a crime but it's wrong I think to take a case like that because we all end up suffering because we all end up as I say paying for it in the various premium in all of our insurance premiums 1850 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs With Hewitt College now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses Your success is built on their experience See hewittcollege.ie A secretary is wanted for a busy quarry it's in a care Duties will include invoicing and phone orders An experienced hotel accountant is wanted that's in the Clonacilty Park Hotel while a full-time temporary office administrator is wanted that's to work in Bandon and a labourer is wanted for general groundwork that's in Cork City. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. A Cork band once asked Where's me jumper? Now C103 is asking it too. Where's me Cork Simon Christmas Every year, thousands of people here in Cork get together to help fight homelessness by wearing a Christmas jumper to work, school or anywhere. Don't make a song and dance about it. Simply get your fundraising pack now at CorkSimon.ie. The Cork Simon Christmas Jumper Day. It's time to wear your jumper with C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Tomorrow is World COPD Day and the Irish Support Group is urging people to know the symptoms of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease and to visit their GP if they have any concerns. Joining me is Professor JJ Kilmartin who is the chairman of the COPD Support Ireland Group. Good morning to you JJ. Good morning. Uh, And you're you're welcome to the programme. I suppose can you start by explaining to us what COPD is? Well, COPD is the short for uh, quite a mouthful, (laughs) chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. 
Uh, chronic doesn't mean that it's awful bad. Chronic just means a condition that is ongoing, that it's not acute, it's not an acute illness. Okay. Uh, o stands for obstruction, and this refers to the fact that people with COPD have narrowing of the airways, the pipes that bring the air in and out of their lungs. P stands for pulmonary, which is a nice word for lung, and disease, D stands for disease. So um, this is an incredibly common condition. The uh, Department of Health, their own estimates uh, are that half a million people in Ireland have COPD. Wow. And it is the most common reason for people being attending uh, A&E departments, uh, not just during the winter, but throughout the year. So in the past two years, for instance, 4,000 people were admitted to hospital in Cork because of flare-ups, exacerbations, again a nice word, of their COPD. And what are the main causes? Right, the main cause, smoking, right? But not just smoking. Uh, because we know uh, that throughout the world uh, that exposure to fumes, exhaust fumes, particulate matter from diesel uh, and uh, smoky coal, they also provoke COPD. And sometimes there's a congenital uh, bias towards getting COPD. There are certain hereditary conditions Um, where there's an enzyme deficiency in the body and that means that the the body, the lungs are more sensitive to any uh, bad exposures that they come across. And I'm shocked by the numbers of people that you say who who, who have the uh, condition. Um, What are early symptoms? Right, the early symptoms are, and if if you think of somebody who smokes, they, they probably will say, ah, it's the cigarettes that are doing this. Chronic cough, in other words, that they're coughing, especially in the morning, maybe producing small amounts of phlegm uh, every day, uh, or that they're getting repeated chest infections. And it's what people, the cough anyway, you'll hear people say, oh, you have a smoker's cough. You have smokers, right. I, I would ban smoker's cough if yeah, I could. Yeah. Because even if you smoke, and okay, it may well be the explanation for why you're coughing, that may be the first and only symptom that you're actually developing COPD. And we know that if people are detected in time and diagnosed early, then their outcomes are way, way better. That's true for the vast majority of medical conditions. Yeah, how know. often how often do we hear and talk about that when we're talking about a cancer yes, uh, diagnosis? Yes. But very much the same here with C- COPD. Yeah. So if it is diagnosed early, then how is it managed? Right, well, the first thing, if, if, if somebody smokes, Stop. Give them up, yeah. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of help available, right? Uh, the quit lines are very, very good. There's also nicotine replacement therapy. Um, <clears throat> personally, I'm not a great fan of the e-cigarettes, but many of my patients have managed to quit smoking by using them, and if they do that, I'm delighted. Okay. Um, uh, that, is, that, that is crucial. But then it depends on what uh, level of uh, lung impairment a person has when we meet them first. Maybe all they need to do is to quit smoking. Uh, Maybe they need to go on inhaler medication. And the inhaler medication has improved out of all recognition in the past five, six years. And really and truly, the message would be, even if you have 
significant COPD, bad COPD, it is manageable. The other thing that happens is, uh, and particularly as people get older, uh, they do less and less and less. And that's, that's a disaster. Because what happens now is we lose our muscle function and we know that the more exercise people with chronic lung disease take, the better they are. So, in fact, we have brought that to a point where there's a, a program of pulmonary rehabilitation. There are two programs going on in Cork. Uh, it's right around the country. These are usually hospital-based. And it's a series of exercises, usually over six to eight weeks, two visits a week to the hospital, usually organized by a physiotherapist, to get the person as fit as they can be. And then the, the program, the idea is to maintain that fitness. And that's where COPD Support Ireland come in. We have two support groups in Cork, one in the north, one in the south. And they're, they're helped by funding from the National Lottery. Well done. Well, and, well done. And uh, they, th- those people meet and they actually have exercise classes. So they follow on the exercises that they've learned at the hospital rehabilitation session. And it's great to hear all of that because I imagine, uh, JJ, it must come as a huge shock when somebody gets that diagnosis of yeah. COPD. Yeah, it does. It does. And we do have a helpline. There's a national helpline. I'll give, I'll give you the number now. Uh, uh, <clears throat> In a second, if I can find it. <laughs> I have it here. I think it's you one it's one eight hundred eight three two one four six. Absolutely. And now a listener says, is it hereditary? Because this caller's dad had it. Yes. It is. There okay. is a hered- there is there is there are hereditary forms of COPD, right? Particularly a condition called alpha one antitrypsin deficiency, which is an enzyme deficiency in the body. But that's the only one that we really know about. The number of times we come across patients who have a parent who've had, who's had COPD or a, a sibling with COPD, a brother or sister, is amazing. So there is definitely hereditary bias to it. Okay, and we have a very good friend of the programme who we uh, we helped to battle, who's an Alpha 1 patient for Respresia, yeah. uh, Johnny Hannon. So uh, we, we think of uh, Johnny today. Now, we are into flu season, flu jabs. Is that important? Absolutely. And the pneumonia vaccine. Now, the pneumonia vaccine, we used to recommend it every five years. The newer vaccine, you probably only need it once anymore. The flu jab changes every year. And there's a whole lot of mythology about the flu vaccination. It gives nobody the flu. Yeah. It's as dead as a dodo, the, the vaccine itself. There's nothing live inside the vaccine. I myself have had it for the last 10, 15 years. And every time I get it, I get a, a, a little local reaction on my arm and I feel slightly fluish. Which I'm told, day. which I'm told by the practice nurse in my GP practice is a good sign that the vaccine is sign. working. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, the, the the only thing I'd have to say, Patricia, is that in the past couple of years, the vaccine hasn't been quite as effective as we would have hoped that it would be. Yeah. Right, because the strain of flu or the strains of flu change season by season. And uh, the, the, the World Health Organization, who uh, proposed what type of strains to put into the vaccine for any particular year, probably didn't get their homework done as well as they might have liked. 
So, yeah, uh, and I know this year, I mean, I, I would have uh, family in Australia and I know this year, and it's Australia we look to because obviously they have their winter before us and they had a particularly nasty strain mm-hmm. uh, this year. So all we can do is keep fingers crossed and hope that the jab is, is, is going to help. Well, that strain has been included in our jab this year. So Great. hopefully, hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll help. Good to hear. And then yeah. you're, the other main advice, JJ, anyone with any concerns... Go along to your GP. Go along to your GP. And if, 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 as I say, if, if, if there are smokers out there or people uh, who feel that they're getting breathless, a bit of cough, getting repeated infections, talk to your GP about having a simple breathing test done called spirometry. That's how we diagnose COPD. It's not painful. It's simple to do. And your GP can organise it for you. OK, listen, thank you for taking time out to talk to us uh, today on the programme. And uh, thank you for that. Not at all. Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye uh, bye. That bye is uh, Professor JJ Kilmartin, who is the chairman of the COPD support uh, group. And by the way, that telephone number, once again, this is the COPD advice line, if you're concerned in any way, is 1 800 832146. Interesting to hear Professor Gilmartin say about exercise and how important exercise is. And as he was saying that coming up on my screen uh, is a note to say that the long-awaited gym at the Dunmanway Municipal Pool is set to open on Monday. December the 2nd. Now that certainly is terrific news for everybody in the Dunmanway area that the uh, long-awaited gym is going to open Monday, December 2nd. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. And just on the COPD uh, interview, a listener says, would you know from a blood test if you have COPD? Well, no. Listening to uh, Professor Gilmartin, uh, he was saying the, uh, the, uh, the way that they test for it is it's in at your doctor's, in at your GP practice, and you simply blow into it's a very simple procedure. You blow into a device and that determines if you've got COPD. So no, so I don't think it's going to show up in a blood test. But if you speak to your GP, it's called a spirometry test and you simply blow into it. So if you pop along to your doctor, they should be able to sort you out. Now, it's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas and we all know the season is nearly upon us when the annual Hollybo uh, starts to appear in our shops. To discuss this year's edition, I'm once again joined by uh, the editor, who is John Dolan. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're you're very welcome. It seems bigger than previous years, if that is possible. Yeah, it's just because <laughs> Hollybow is a monster that keeps growing bigger every year. It's amazing. I mean, it, it's just, uh, you know, one of those uh, one of those publications that just uh, every single year it just seems to outdo the previous year all the time and the response to it. And yeah, it's 164 pages, which is massive, as you can imagine. It's um, terrific. Yeah, and, and it's filled filled with great stories and historical articles or old photographs. It's a great it's a great little trip down memory lane for people, but it's not just for older people as well. You know, I noticed far more now that younger people are it's a tradition that they want to start and, you know, 
when they have children, they want the holly bough as well. So it really has become attached to Christmas for Corkonians. It's 122 years old, so uh, it's been a long time coming to the tradition, but people will, will remember when they were young many years ago that it was a tradition even then, yeah. And the, the, the Diffany quiz, I think, is the one that certainly <laughs> attracts some of the younger people. That gets yeah. them into it, doesn't it? It does, it does. Um, and the wonder of the Diffany quiz, I think, Patricia, is that it's, it's a generational thing. It's a cross-generational thing. Nobody on their own could possibly answer all those questions because there may well be a rap artist album there may well be an old Irish poem you know there may, it's, you, you just simply have to it's the sort of thing that you know you're around a Christmas table at, uh, over Christmas and some uncle will suddenly pipe up I know the answer to that you know and, and, it's, <laughs> so, so, and, and it's remarkable and, and yeah and again that, that's been what 15-20 years uh, in the Hollybow now and it's become you know it's become unthinkable not to have a Hollybow without that Disney quiz who, who puts that together? Yeah, it's a gentleman called Jerry Diffney. Now, people in court wouldn't know the name, but in, in, he has about four or five menswear stores around the Dublin area. Um, and he, he used to have this Diffney quiz uh, days before the internet. People used to come into his shops and pick it up. Um, and that's how I happened to see it. So when I became editor of the Holly Bow, going back maybe 17, 18 years now, um, I thought, well, let's see if, if this Jerry can, can do us a, a particular cork twist on the Diffney quiz, which he does every year. And he loves it. He loves the reaction. He loves the response. And I keep saying to him, look, we've got empty units here in court. You, can, you should, should open <laughs> one of your businesses because people will come off the streets and say, you're Jerry Diffney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the answer to number 49, yeah, Jerry? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, the amount of times people ask me that, yeah. <laughs> My lips are sealed. And, wh- and wh- do, you, do you do it yourself or do you always have, do you, uh, you obviously know of the answers, but do you try it yep. without cheating? I, I do. Do you know, it's funny. Be honest because- now. Yeah, I know. I, I actually, because I, I, I feel like I'm proofreading it, first of all. So Jerry appreciates the fact that I'm going through to make sure there's nothing there that, that's oh. untoward. You know, it's obviously, there's a little bit of leeway there because it, this is Jerry's take on, on various things. So sometimes people will contact me and say, is 24 definitely right? And I have to say, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do. I, I, I receive it round about September, October, and I, I'll sit at home in a darkened room, uh, scratching my head, and I'll, I'll answer as many as I can. And then I'll, I'll cheat and look at the rest of the answers. Oh. And I'll, I'll, I'll check them all again. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I absolutely admire your honesty rather than say, oh, I sit down and do it all. I'm so good at it. <laughs> yeah, now, the, 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 the cover this year mm. is just glorious. Oh. I mean, I'm sitting here still looking at it. It's just one of those covers. I know. I can't, and I seem to see something different every time I look at it. That's the beauty of it because it strikes you straight away and it gives you such now it might well be early November or mid-November now but when you see this cover you just you're transported to Christmas aren't you I yeah. mean it's just amazing but like you say Patricia as well it's when you sit down and you start to look closely at the detail of it and it's just remarkable this is uh, this is an illustrator uh, called Don Ryan and he's just done a brilliant job of it he's uh, so so thrilled with that cover um, you know I, I, that just, I, the only problem is how do we beat that next year yeah, uh, yeah. Don, Don Carey he's an illustrator in Kinsale uh, he's a lovely guy and um, yeah he, he sort of I was in touch with him early in the year and he spent a couple of months working on this wonderful wonderful piece of art which is, is just you know the trams you know which we hopefully we'll get again on Patrick's Street yeah, one day yeah why not um, yeah, and then obviously, you know, even the detail, I, I love the fact that he's got Hollybell covers. That's now, this is around about 1900, um, yeah. but that co- colour of the cover was the actual co- colour it used to be. It was maroon rather than red, because they couldn't get red on the presses at the time. So he, the, the detail is just remarkable. That's and incredible. The That's... advertising, the, the, the people in those, you know, you, those, those actual shop names were the shop names around about, you know, 1900, 1905. The Mexican you know. house. 
Yeah, remarkable. Now, that was a tobacconist, and it was called the Mexican House. Uh, and, and the one above it, it, it says Palace Photographic Studio. Yeah. That was, that was a Frenchman who opened a photographic studio in wow. Dublin, and then he opened this, this place in Cork. Um, and now, obviously, at the time, people used to spend good money on, on a family photograph, you know, around about 1900s, early 1900s. And it was a huge, booming industry. And he needed a lot of room because he would have done all of his, the dark room would have been on the premises as well. Obviously, all of, all of, the, the, all of that development of the photographs would have taken place there too. The Woodford Burn Corner, everyone, every Woodford born, everyone knows that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, over, yeah. Over yeah. certain age, I'd say, yeah. yeah it's so. excellent. It, it, it is really good. Now, we want to look at some of the articles, particularly mm. ones with uh, relevance to uh, to listeners in the county. So we, we handed it over to John and got him to pick out some of the stories for us. So, starting with an entry into the Guinness Book of Records from yep. a bunch of North Cork soldiers. This is an amazing story. I, this again, is incredible. I, I like, sometimes I think, why didn't I know this before? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> why am I only reading this now? This is actually 75 years ago. Uh, the anniversary is this year. And it, it was during the Second World War, obviously the Irish Army were, were very busy and they had to stay on manoeuvres and, and be wary of any kind of invasions. So it, they, they were very active. But clearly that they weren't actually, they didn't, didn't have an enemy as such because Ireland was neutral. But what happened was um, there was a particular a, a group of men who were based at Fomoy um, and they, dis- they were very good at march and they used to outmarch everybody. So they decided to do a night march. It took them 12 hours. And it, they did a, route, a loop. We have, we have a map in the Hollybow. They did a, a loop from Fomoy through Ballyhooley, Cattletown Roach, Kildoddery, Mitchellstown, and then back down to Fomoy. And it took them 12 hours, and they marched 42 miles with the full, you know, back kit on, 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 yeah. the, on the backs. Um, and soon after this, they, they won. They were, they were competing against other marching um, regiments, and they won. So what happened a few years later was that the Guinness Book of Records were contacted, and, and Guinness said, yeah, this is a, re- a world record, as far as we're aware. Um, so it actually appeared in the Guinness Book of Records for, for a good few years, um, and then it slipped out around about the early 90s for some reason, when I think they were starting to bring in silly ones, like, you know, the, the, most, the most tattoos or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Uh, and some of these really sort of classic records. But yeah, what, what an amazing feat of endurance. Unreal. Un- unreal. <laughs> and then there was a, a murder most foul in West Cork. That's right. Now, this was actually one that I, I did some research on myself looking at various Irish newspaper archives. Um, there's a bit of mystery to this, Patricia, as well, and I'm hoping one of the, our readers uh, can, can solve it because it was, a, it was an extraordinary kind of a macabre murder in, in West Cork uh, back in, eight, in the 1860s. Um, but it, it was amazing because um, this particular guy, he, he, he killed his wife's aunt, and it was over land, which is probably no surprise to a lot of people. This was only a few years after the famine as well. Um, but this particular gentleman, he, he, he escaped, um, and he got to Liverpool, and he was about to board a, um, a boat to America, and the land of the free, he was going to be a free man. Um, but luckily, uh, there, was, there was a telegram that was sent from Cork, because the body was found quite a few months later, and he was under suspicion, but he decided to do a runner. Um, and as I say, there was a telegram sent from Cork to Liverpool, and a policeman happened to see it, and happened to see this man, and identified him, and he was arrested. Um, so he was just about to escape. Um, so he came back to Cork. Now, the only thing is, I know he appeared before the Cork as assizes alongside his wife, who I think was later cleared of any wrongdoing. Um, but I just don't know what happened after that. Ah. I don't know whether, whether he was put to death. I don't know whether he was transported. Um, I don't know whether the, the trial fell down for whatever reason, and he managed to escape justice. But, I mean, it, it looked like he was, you know, if you read the article, he, it was pretty much, uh, he was the guilty person. Yeah, it was an open and yeah, shut case. But he nearly, got, he nearly got away with it. 
He did, and, and that's the amazing thing, because th- this was just a telegram that was sent to Liverpool, and as I say, the, the, the person in Liverpool who was a policeman, he was actually originally from Ireland, so he had a look at this description of this particular cart man. And spotted him. And he spotted him in Liverpool city centre, and brought him back on the next I mean, boat, And we're, we're not there. talking about an era where, where people have uh, no. social media or anything like that. And then there's yeah. another m- murder. Um, this one was remembered near Blarney and under the headline A Bloodbath in My Village. Yeah, this was a wonderful story from Michael Dorney um, who lives out in that particular area. This is, this is a, far, a farmland. It's a few miles north of Blarney itself. Um, and this, this particular gentleman who wrote the article for the Hollybow, this is, this is now his land, but he, he, he did some wonderful research. Uh, he found out back in the, back in the day, there used to be these, what are called the tithes. Um, there were tithes that were paid to the, the, the Protestant Church of the day. And quite a lot of the Catholics resented paying it. And there used to be bailiffs sent in to recover these tithes from people. And the people used to gang up on them. And there were quite a few confrontations. And, and they were, they were the much hated bailiff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, it's, funny, it's strange because the bailiffs would have been actual Cork City people, probably Roman Catholics from Cork City, who were hired by the, 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 the church of the day. Now, this was quite unusual because the church wouldn't have often prosecuted, but in some instances when they did, they brought these bailiffs in from the city and they would have gone out, to, in this particular instance, to this, to this um, farmland and the locals rumbled them and there was a terrible altercation and, and one person was shot and another person was beaten to death one you know one of the bailiffs was, was beaten to death by this mob of people who were, who were obviously so angry that he had shot one of their own um, yeah. a dreadful story and and as I say Michael Dorner who now lives close to this land itself uh, he actually arranged for a plaque to be put up this year just, just as a little remembrance that two people died sadly on this ah, land thought, all yeah, those years it's, ago it's, it's a different like it's, it's a diff- it was a different mm. era and I think it's it's lovely that those two men have, yeah. have been remembered so, so well done. Without prejudice, as you say, you yeah. know, there, there, was, there, was, there was two people died, families yeah. were mourning yeah. the 1830s, you yeah. know, a lot of different, time ago. Different times, yeah. different times. Mm. I loved the very heartfelt story by John Terry, the story of emigration and we'll keep the home oh. fires burning. That's gorgeous. That's one of my favourite stories. It's gorgeous. It's lovely. It's such a great read and I'm so thankful to him for writing that. This is, this is amazing to me that he, he lived... Um, on a farm that overlooked where the Yiddish fallen used to head out to the open sea. So his parents t- brought him for the ferry, and he was 16, and he was going off to London on his own t- to work. Um, so his parents dropped him off at the quays in the city, and then he got on the boat, and then the boat goes all the way around the coast. And then, you know, a good, good way into the journey, he looks out to where his farm is, and it's, you can see a fire that his siblings have, have set alight to a fire as a kind of a farewell and a good look. And, because you know, they well, know, the siblings know that he'll pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they know because he, he was the third of his family to go. So yeah. two of his siblings had already gone. And so what a poignant thing. A 16-year-old kid on his own, terrified, seasick, obviously as well. He, the, 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 you know, it would have been a bumpy journey for, for a young lad. And yeah, so he looks out across the land and he sees this and he knows that his family is saying goodbye. And yeah, it's so poignant, isn't it? It's such mm. a wonderful yes. m- reminiscence. I mean, a 16-year-old today, it'd be hard pushed to let him on the, on the bus into the oh, city for the day on their own. almost done for cruelty, yeah, wouldn't it, the yeah, 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 I know, I know. Oh, and, yeah. the, and the famous architect, uh, Kevin Roach, who sadly uh, passed away this year, he's, mm. he's also remembered. Uh, now, uh, Kevin Roach would be well, the convention centre in Dublin, probably mm. his, his most famous. But uh, uh, he designed a piggery for his family's Mitchestown <laughs> farm. <laughs> 
this was an amazing story. I kind of stumbled upon it. It had been reported in a few places before, but it was, again, this is news to most people, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Kevin Roach was a genius of an architect, but he was originally from, from Ireland, and he actually spent his formative years in Mitchellstown, where his, his father was quite, quite a good businessman. But yeah, he, he, when he was at college, he was at Dublin studying architecture, Kevin Roach. And when he came home on, from his first semester, uh, he came home for a break, and his, his father said he wants a piggery built. So Kevin decided that, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to build a piggery for you. So he did. Uh, but it's a wonderful story because he later reminisced much later in life how, you know, there was one particular day when he was just overseeing the, the, the job and he told the builders to do something and the builders said, well, be careful because this, is, this isn't a very safe structure. And the young Kevin Roach says, ah, just go ahead and do it. And th- there, was a, there was a bit of a, a fall from the brickwork and it was looking, luckily nobody died because otherwise his career would have been thwarted there and then I'd say. But yeah, I love the reminiscences because he talks about the people in Mitchellstown raising a quizzical eye when he said he wanted to be an architect yeah. as if they said who needs an architect yeah <laughs> it's gorgeous and it's what they're just as lovely there's story after story after story and I'm loving yeah. that we're getting, we're getting a lot of texts in for people remembering it uh, in their childhood remembering their parents reading it still reading it today and one lovely one said my granny got the holly bow years ago and I always remember it um, my daughter now gets it I'm in my 70s it is great reading there's you know three generations four generations at this stage because her daughter is now getting as well it's lovely okay listen it's fantastic it's available as they say in all good news agents at the moment and and already selling well I imagine John is it because it goes all over the world it is and that's why we print it quite early Patricia because people buy five six seven copies and they bounce them off to Australia to America to everywhere all points of the compass Uh, and obviously you know you have to do that a good few weeks before Christmas to get to beat the deadlines so yeah which is terrific okay well it's always a pleasure to uh, speak with you John we'll speak again Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, John Dolan, who is the editor of this year's Hollybell. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've had a call in asking us if we could mention uh, a missing dog that's gone missing and there are two very special little children who are distraught and they want to get this dog back. It's a golden Labrador. Uh, It's a golden Labrador bitch by the name of Luna. Luna has gone missing from the McCroom Ballinagree area. And as I say, there are two children who are really, really missing this dog. There's a reward on offer for Luna's safe return. If anybody is out and about in the McCroom Ballinagree area. Now, I don't know how long Luna is missing, but I'm assuming it's only the la- over the last few days. If you spotted a dog looking a little bit lost or you know anything about Luna's whereabouts, can you call 87 28058890 and keep if you're out and about keep a look out particularly in that area McCroom Ballinagree area for a golden Labrador please let's help us try to get Luna back home safe and uh, sound and thank you to people uh, commenting on my interview with uh, John Dolan of the Holly Bell. So many of you is bringing back memories and so many of you in, enjoying it, uh, including Geraldine. She said, Patricia, I loved your slot about the Holly Bell. And John Dolan, the editor, is so passionate about his stories. I can't wait to get it. Thank you for bringing it to us. Well, it was our pleasure. And thanks to John. And yeah, he is absolutely passionate about it. And he just, it's a great, because the minute I got it this year, I thought, oh, that's bigger than normal. And, and he knows it from cover to cover. So it's always a delight 
to interview John and I love interviewing people that are passionate about what they're talking about and it's always a particular delight talking with John every year with the Holly Bow. It's in the shops at now. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, that's for sure. And our listener's been on to say, Hi Patricia, I've got a lot of apples down after last night's wind. If there's anybody who wants them, maybe people with horses um, in the Kinsale area. Is that of a use to anybody listening? Anybody in the Kinsale area interested in gathering up some? And I'm assuming you have to go out and gather up your apples uh, yourself. If so, we've got this person's contact telephone number. Obviously, we won't give it out over air, but if you contact us, we can pass on the details, please. 1850-333-103. We were discussing COPD in the last hour on the programme. A listener said, I'm just back from the doctor again with my 85-year-old dad who has COPD. He has yet another chest infection. Thankfully, he doesn't have to attend to the hospital this time. He never smoked a cigarette in his life. Yeah, in fairness, when... Professor JJ Gilmartin was talking about the most common causes. He said the most common cause is cigarette smoking. But that's not to say that you can't, that you can get COPD if you didn't smoke a cigarette. I mean, I mentioned John, John Hannan. I know John is with the, with Alpha One. He never smoked a cigarette in his life and he's got, you know, he's got uh, COPD and, you know, thankfully uh, he has, he's got the Respresia jug and by all accounts is doing well, which is, we're all very grateful for. But yeah, there are people, it, but it's it's a bit like people who, God help them get lung cancer from smoking. Not everyone who gets lung cancer was, was a smoker. But the most common reason for getting COPD, I think that's what the professor was trying to get across, is from smoking. And he was pushing that in the hope of trying to get people to give up cigarette uh, smoking. And we hope that your dad recovers from his chest infection. Thank you for your text to 0862103103. I see I was, wasn't on my own when I got that call from Central Africa the other day, including Andy Newmarket. I got that call as well. Trish didn't answer it. Well done. Just don't answer it. That's the way to go on that. On the NCTs, we're still getting in a lot of texts and calls about NCTs. And by the way, as I say, we are going to get somebody from the AA, hopefully Conor Faulkner will be able to join us tomorrow just to try to clarify some of the concerns that are coming in for people about this whole thing, about driving around without an NCT, particularly when you apply. And I don't know if there are excessive delays applying for an NCT or is this always the way it is when you apply for an NCT? I mean, a lot of people are saying that they're waiting up to six weeks to get a test. And if you've left it late to apply for your NCT, that's when you're coming up against a problem because that's when you're then driving without a valid NCT and we're hearing all kinds of things about fines and penalties and the more worrying one, you're driving without insurance. John in Bantry says, when you do the DOE, which is the equivalent of the NCT, but it's for lorries and uh, trucks, I've often asked, how long does that DOE cert last for? And the gentleman, one of the gentl- the people doing it, once told me, it's valid until you drive out the gate, as then it's up to you to keep the truck right with regards to tyres, mirrors, and likewise for your car. If a car that stops you and you have a bald tyre, then you will be fined. It's got nothing at all uh, to do with having a valid DOE or a valid NCT on your windscreen of your car. Hi Patricia, my NCT is out at the end of December. The centre in Skibbereen is booked out until the 7th of January. That's the date for my test. So I so you will be a week 
where you'll be driving around without a valid NCT and that's obviously now causing you to worry. And Mike says, hi Patricia, the NCT is only a racket. It's only the government getting more money out of innocent people. That's from Mike. And there was also an email into Patricia at c103.ie to say the roads are a disgrace. The council are fixing nothing. NCT money, another tax. Wake up, people. And this is from Mick. Well, I can tell you, it isn't the government making the money on the... Let let me dispel that myth, if you think it's a big conspiracy theory, by the government. The government, it goes out to tender. The NCT contract goes out to tender. Actually, they've just... A new tender has just been renewed because it gets renewed every 10 years. And it's the RSA decide who gets the NCT. And it's a Spanish company by the name of uh, AppPlus. And they had it for the last 10 years. They got it in 2000 and the contract is was fin- They got it in 2009 with the contract up December of 2019, even though it did get extended up to, I think it was June of 2020 because they didn't want the switch over to be at sort of the busiest time of the year because most people's cars are due up for NCT at the start of the year. But anyway, it went back out again. The, the tendering happened again and uh, Atlas have signed another contract for the next 10 years and it's a lucrative business for this Spanish company who operate the NCT. Now they have to pay. They pay wages and all of that and they've got to rent premises etc. But it's worth, it's estimated that the NCT contract is worth 650 million euro for the 10 years. So there is money to be made out of it and certainly this company Atlas have made an operating profit for what I can see just on a quick look online for every year that they've been operating the NCT. So it isn't the government, it's it's gone out to contract, it's another uh, company uh, does it. Now, is that something the government could have made money out of if they thought about it? I don't know, but I suppose they don't want the headache of doing it. They pass it on to somebody else uh, instead. Now, we were talking about the Chinese market and beef and the contract that's been signed for the Chinese market. He is one of our very intelligent listeners who's great with figures. So I did some very rough math for you there, Patricia. 25,000 tonnes is about 22.5 million kg. A beef steer weighs on average 400 kgs and half of that is for is for retail cost. So about 200 kg-ish. There are at least a million sucklers in Ireland for beef, not talking about end-of-life cows, dairy, fallen animals, fit for beef, etc. So 22.5 million divided by 200 kgs is 112,500 animals, which is about 11%. And again, there are other animals that could be considered for bees. So in reality, the Chinese market is probably 5%-ish. Okay. <laughs> my, my head is addled even looking at all those numbers but I would take your word for it you very much sound like a mathematician you very much sound like somebody who knows what you're doing and we would take your word for it that that's what the Chinese market is worth and in fairness to Helen O'Sullivan from the Beef Clan movement she was very excited about the Chinese market and very pleased that we got the Chinese market and if we have a very hard Brexit it will soften the landing a little bit for the beef farmers uh, for sure. 1850 also into a streetlights Jonah from Oi. Has anybody noticed the street lighting in Formoy has gotten very poor of late, says Joan? The big issue, according to Joan, is the lights seem to be of a dark, creamy colour. 
So it's impossible to see anything at night. Runners and walkers, Joan reckons, are giving out about it as you can't see anything. It's making life easier, though, for those who want to rob items, says Joan. Anybody else in the Fomoy area, notice are aware of the street lighting. Have they changed the bulbs? Dark, creamy in colour. I mean, it couldn't just be the time of the year, is it? Or have they actually changed the bulbs? Seems a strange one to me. Anybody else in Fomoy notice your street lighting? Dark, creamy colour that it's not lighting up the streets which is what street lighting is meant to do and Colm in Bottom and thank you Colm to say I keep getting a scam text from Boots the chemist saying I've won a third prize keep getting reminders they say they're trying to contact me they rang me they say but then in the next test next text they say sorry I couldn't get through to you there would you click on a link I've never shopped in Boots yeah Boots came out about that Last week and the week before, there was a number of people got caught with that scam and Boots say absolutely nothing to do with them at all. And I think it's a clever one in that they're not saying to you that you won first prize, they're saying to you that you won third prize. And you see, Colin, what they're doing is that they're banking on whatever percentage of people they contact. Some of them will be customers of Boots. We got calls in from people who straight away got alerted because they're not customers of Boots. But we also got calls in from people who were customers of Boots and happened to be at, say, Boots at the local Boots at the week or had just interacted with Boots and suddenly got this text and they thought that they had won some kind of a prize. So you just need to be careful. As I say, I don't know, I need, I need to talk to John Paul. I know we are hoping to do something on all of the latest scams that are doing the rounds at the moment just to give people a word of warning because it is coming up to Christmas and it is a time when we seem to see an increase, unfortunately, in all of these scams. Let's cheer up somebody's day now. We have some get up and go diaries well they're get up and go journals more than diaries I think there's only one diary and the rest are all uh, journals these are gorgeous publications we know we've, we always speak about the get up and go diaries but they also produce these really high quality journals and journaling is such a wonderful thing to do and sometimes I think it's when you get the gift of a journal you might decide to journal for the first time and I think if, if you do if you ever get a gift of a journal sit down and just make a promise to yourself that for the next six months to next year that you're just going to write something in every day it's just fantastic at the end of the year to look back on everything that you've put into it and we were only recently talking with Alice Taylor who got that uh, gorgeous ship's captain's log the captain not the ship the captain's log it's called this gorgeous gorgeous book you can get it on I think it's only available online The if you google the captain's log it's the captain's log.com uh, you can get it online it's glorious absolutely glorious journal and uh, it sort of gives you things that you can do goals that you can set yourself for the next day for the next week for the next month it's terrific and it's what Alice Taylor has based she got a present of it this time last year and it's what she's based her book on because it's her entire year she filled it in and then she made it into a book so it's, it's terrific anyway I digress get up and go diaries and journals we've got a travel journal we've got a young person's diary we've got a gratitude journal we've got a student journal and we've got a genius journal we want you to text please or whatsapp your name and where you are to 0862103103 and if you could identify please if you had a preference which journal or diary would you like because it would be nice to get the diaries or the journals to the right people. So for example if you would like the travel journal put travel on your text. If you'd like the young person's diary put diary on the 
text. If you'd like the gratitude diary, put gratitude. The student journal, put student or the genius journal. Just write genius. Okay, get those texts into us. We'll leave the text message service open for about 10 minutes. And if you've no preference at all, that's fine. Just send in your name and number and we'll throw your, your name into the hat with the others. Uh, that's 0862103103. Get texting. That's just by text, please. Our WhatsApp uh, only. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Muskery Scornanog that's going to be held on Saturday the 30th of November it's in Inchigida but they're looking for participants aged 17 and younger contact Dolores at 086 Mallow Autism Friendly Town Committee AGM that'll be held in the Arches Bar tonight at 8 new members are welcome Mallow Flower and Garden Club they're holding their gala Christmas demonstration it's presented by Rose Hickey of IFA it's on tonight in Mallow GA Complex Carrigoon 8 o'clock start. Admission is €12 and all are welcome. And Ballinine and Enniskeen Tidy Towns Association they've got an information evening on sustainability and caring for our community in the Beda Hall that's tonight at uh, 8. And Mallow United hold soccer training for boys and girls aged 4 to 17 of all abilities and those with additional needs every Wednesday evening between 6 and 7pm. It's at Carragoon Indoor Complex you can contact Sandra at 087-6950-471. And Co-Action are holding their annual pre-Christmas food and craft fair at the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry. That's on this Thursday. Uh, is it this? Th- yes, it is. The 21st. Goodness me, November is flying by. This Thursday, November 21st, between 5 and 9pm. All the usual stalls will be there together with some new ones and some fabulous raffle prizes. Raffle tickets are currently on sale from Co-Action Committee members. Craft Fair is one of Co-Action's biggest fundraisers of the year. So your support will be gratefully appreciated. Thank you for this. Uh, Tim says, I booked my NCT test on the 13th of November and I got it on the 23rd of November. <laughs> well done in 10 days. Yeah, now Tim doesn't say where or what test centre he booked with. I think it depends on how flexible you can be around the test as well. You know, a number of people contacting us saying, you know, if they work during the day, they can't take, you know, they don't have time off. For example, I couldn't book an NCT during morning times. Wouldn't be possible. You know, so it's, if you can be flexible, I think, yeah, you possibly will get a test in time, but it isn't always possible. And again, I think it depends as well on the test centre that you're going to. Some are busier than others. I mentioned that the long-awaited gym is due to open in the swimming pool in Dunmanway. Councillor Declan Hurley has been on by WhatsApp to say, I'd really appreciate, Patricia, if you'd let your listeners know that an induction weekend is going to take place on Saturday the 30th of November and Sunday the 1st of December. That's in advance of the opening of the new gym at the Dunmanway swimming pool. Now, bookings have been taken at the Dunmanway pool on 023 885349. That's 0238845349. Or you can email Dunmanway Swimming Pool at Cork And Declan pointing out they need the numbers to make this work. Okay. So a lot of people at the time when the pool was was opening were bemoaning the fact that there wasn't a gym. There's a gym there now. Use it, please to the good people of Dunmanway and the surrounding areas and just a quick couple of uh, texts in in the middle of all the texts that are coming in for the gratitude and the various diaries that we are giving away if I can find them now because there's so many in the middle Anthony says the NCT and DOE is a good thing in many
anyways. Uh, but any rogue trader can change parts and put many vehicles through with the same parts and then keep the pass discs. Also, the government make big money with VAT on the original test and the follow-up tests and the parts that they use in fixing vehicles, says Anthony. Yeah, I'm not saying that they don't make any money at the NCT, but the listeners who were contacting us were making out that the fee you pay for the NCT is like another tax. And I was making, that goes straight to the government. And I was making the point, it doesn't go straight to the government. The government have franchised that out and it, it in says go or contracted it out and it instead goes to this Spanish company by the name of Atlas who have just signed up for another 10 uh, years. And on COPD, Jack says, Patricia, the mistake I made was to stop smoking when my weight was 10 stone. When I gave up the cigarettes, my weight shot up to 18 stone. I got COPD, asthma and all sorts of things. Even my old man stopped working. It's a bad idea to stop smoking. Thank you, says Jack. Ah, no, never regret giving up the cigarettes. It's just unfortunate that you put on the weight and, and all of that. And I would probably, I mean, I'm not an expert in this, but I would assume that the COPD and the asthma came on because of all of the years of smoking that wasn't directly linked uh, to the weight gain. Listen, there's, there's no good reason for staying smoking, including trying to keep weight down. You are you are way better off not smoking than actually smoking. Thank you for your text though to 0862 103 103. Going to take a break and we're back chatting to Joe Heffernan. Egg foil mock quidden and here is Farlin. Shot eight thrower C103 Air Kirkig. It's Museum Alien and the Carrahe and Crawford Art Gallery Gurkig. Nuri Hulan Tucci, Nadorsha, find to Tishkin Tiart, Erin Rolls, Santasuk, Tagas Nahar Kalianus, a tail, Agus Sukhal Turko, I'm sure. Tagnos Kun, Rohiad Mila Kurtur, Night the Bliana Higging Gallery, a hostage to Egril or Nakarach, an Akalishan Opera House, Sayer Kadishach, the Trush Fibli. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 
to sponsor agus bailiú chun buan tonis mo na róvile saher nuchta quid dananeha is fari gorkig c103 this is the court today replay on c103 Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And Helen by text is wondering, do any of, are any of the listeners know if there's a bazaar on in the Drum Tariff area in the coming weeks? If anybody knows of one. I don't know of one in Drum Tariff, but if somebody knows of one happening, let me know. But close enough to you, Helen, in Charleville. I know St. Joseph's Foundation, they have their Christmas craft fair, which is always wonderful, great place to get Christmas presents. And they're having it this year on Friday the 6th of December and it's on campus at St. Joseph's Foundation on Baker's Road in Charleville. If you want to go along to that, that will be close enough to you there in Drum Tariff. And I know Joe Heffernan wants to give a plug for a fundraiser for the Air Ambulance. Uh, he joins me. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. There's a fu- the wonderful Air Ambulance that we were talking about this week. We're going helping out up the country uh, yeah. with the Air Ambulance. There's a fund we need to fundraise, though, to keep this Air Ambulance in the air. Yeah. And and it's on this coming Friday night, the 22nd of, of November. Uh, it's in the Black Rose in Butterfant. Now, that used to be known as the Crossroads Bar, and maybe some people would still know it as the Crossroads Bar. Anyway, it's at half eight on Friday night, the 22nd, and uh, Alan Finn and guests will be providing music. Okay, and it's in a really, really good cause. Today is International Men's Day. Can I wish you happy International Men's Day? Thank you very much. There isn't a bigger fuss uh, as there is with International Women's Day, dare dare I say. No, there you are, the poor old men. (laughs) John John Paul said something similar in the office this morning when we were discussing this. And he said, how come there's nothing about International Men's Day and it's all about International Women's Day? So there isn't. It kind of flies under the radar slightly. Anyway, we're acknowledging it's a happy International Men's Day to all men listening to us uh, today. Day. Um, uh, but one of the yeah. main reasons for it is it's to raise awareness of men's health and, and well-being and we want to focus on mental health. We do. And, you know, <clears throat> there's some astounding and um, worrying uh, research from the Men's Health Forum in Ireland. Um, uh, last year, they found that the suicide rate among middle-aged men, that's 40 to 59 years old in the Republic of Ireland, is the highest um, of all age cohorts. And I suppose what happens um, is that um, uh, we move on, I suppose, from childhood friendships and teenage alliances um, that we all make, and they tend to peter out because marriage, uh, moving from where we were living, career changes... Uh, family and life, they, they, they all come calling with, with their own demands. And um, it, can, it can leave um, old friendships um, hanging in the balance, as it were, and middle-aged men struggle the most. The, 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 I found that in, um, I think it was an Irish Times article uh, during the week, um, on account of it being the, the week that was and, in it. And it's interesting because... For whatever reason, women might lose some friends along the way, but they'll hold on to a lot of those connections. Absolutely. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Um, I suppose one of the things, not that this has anything to do with gender, but if a person is still living where they lived... um, Where they grew up. 
yeah. Yeah. Um, well, then the friendships, of course, um, have a great chance of surviving. Whereas when we move away, um, that's, you know, you lose automatically contact. it means... But uh, it's funny, only yesterday I had Dana, you know, Dana, the singer on the, yeah. on the programme, and she was, and I was bringing her back to, you know, it's 50 years since all kinds of everything and all of that, and bringing her back to, you know, her, she yeah. was a teenager in Derry, and she was saying her friendship group they are still, no, obviously she doesn't live in Derry anymore, but when she goes back to Derry, she's still friendly with that group of women. Yeah. I just thought it was, it was the sweetest thing. And you will, you will see that. No, and, and we're not saying it doesn't always happen with men, but you certainly see it more with women than men. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And um, uh, I, I was reading more stuff there as well to do with, with the day. Like, and um, uh, men are... They're, they're far less likely to speak about kind of personal things, feelings, etc., um, or especially anything to do with a mental health difficulty, um, because your work takes over, longer hours take over, um, uh, men are therefore spending less time focusing on their own mental health. Um, so... Is there also uh, a danger other, other that they then. see it, they see it as a sign of weakness? Some well, men could be, or um, uh, you know, uh, some men might still regard it as a kind of uh, touchy feely subject. Whereas um, it's great to be able to say that that um, I, I'm finding anyway that 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 is um, decreasing. Uh, I'm talking about the reluctance to talk about these things. Um, I know that um, the IACP um, uh, chairman, uh, Ray Henry, um, uh, wrote recently, um, we're seeing an increase, he wrote, in men seeking help, but they're still not at the same levels as their female counterparts. Men should feel free to talk about their emotions and mental well-being and make it a normal part of the conversations they have with their families, colleagues, and friends. Now, I have to say that over the years, um, the uh, the numbers of men who would come to talk about um, issues that they're, you know, um, anxiety, feeling down, um, whatever, that um, the, the number of men has definitely increased. So In, say, the last, what, 10, 15 years? Yeah. 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 So there people are opening opening up more. Um, and then it's to try to encourage men to, like, seek out that friend or, or, or a family member. Just talk to somebody. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's one of the top things. Um, uh, even when we do our stress tests there... Um, you know, one of the things is I have someone, I, I have one or more friends to confide in about personal matters. Um, another one was I can speak openly about my feelings when I'm angry or worried. Um, another one was, um, if I remember correctly, I, I have um, a relative within 50 miles or kilometers or whatever it was. That I can call on. That I can call on if, if I, you know, maybe need a little favor. Um, so yeah these things are, are very important because we can become quite isolated um, I have to say that I found that happening to myself now quite a bit uh, down through the years as um, I suppose work kind of takes over um, 
you know, uh, at the drop of a hat, if the day is absolutely scorching, um, I, I can't just say, do you know what? I'll hop in the car and I'll go off to whatever, maybe a game of golf or whatever, because... You have appointments. The diary is there, and yeah. um, uh, you know I I I I can't be doing that, and 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 I wouldn't be doing that. So um, yeah, uh, and I have found that um, that one can very very easily become that bit uh, isolated, um, for sure. But isn't that where you make time in the diary? Yeah. Yeah, where you and say I, that I afternoon, that. I, yeah, yeah. That, that's where... Yeah, I'd simply go ahead in the diary and draw a line through a day and that's sacred as well. Yeah. Um, no, no way is that going to turn into um, a work day. But it's to get that busy man to realise they need downtime, they need time to either be with friends, be with family... Just take a break from it all. Exactly. And in a gentle way, um, to be able to, um, uh, I, I don't like putting it like this, but in a gentle way to be able to say no. Like if somebody says, I really, really need to come and see you tomorrow. Now, tomorrow, as we're speaking, is Wednesday. And if I had my line drawn through the Wednesday, I'd say, well, look, the very best I can do would be Thursday. Now, I can meet you early on Thursday um, or late. Um, if that will do. But um, for many times there, um, I, 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 would, um, I, I would have said, uh, OK, and that's my day off, gone. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, 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 I... So you've learned to look after yourself, I've learned is what to you're look saying. after myself yeah. a bit, yeah. yeah. And, then, and also this then leads into, if you're finding yourself like that, very isolated, obviously then it, leads, it can lead to dreadful loneliness. Absolutely. And this was one of the reasons why um, uh, (laughs) in Australia they started off the men's sheds. Now, they they have a nice way of putting things Um, like the motto on the men's shed would be like shoulder to shoulder. Um, And I was reading about this and there were a few very interesting sentences like men are not always comfortable with face to face communication. And a lot of men's shed activities start side by side. Uh, And psychologists then agree, uh, this article said, that men tend to rely on shoulder-to-shoulder friendships, namely doing things together, while women enjoy face-to-face friendships, uh, honestly sharing thoughts and emotions. So, yeah, so... um, that would be one way of um, of of coping with maybe uh, a loneliness. And there's so many men's sheds have opened in recent years. And any time we feature them on the programme or I talk with men who have joined their local men's shed, they just talk about it being life-changing in yeah. some cases. Yeah, because when you think of it, you see, especially um, those of us, <coughs> excuse me, who live in rural Ireland, we can become absolutely um isolated um you know uh like what do you do and uh, uh that's one of the ways um of uh of meeting other people um and i mean that that's one of the recommended always um uh, stress busters as we'll say um now um, it's it's wonderful, and um, 
uh, it's life-saving, really, to be in a good, loving relationship, which many of us are lucky enough to have. But, I mean, if you take that out of the uh, situation, then it becomes absolutely a total necessity to find some way of meeting other people. Um, and, and, and that builds our resilience as well, because, um, uh, you know, we're all going to have things that uh, disappoint us, uh, things that uh, upset us. Um, and some people then um, can very easily uh, fall into the trap of um, managing stress in, in an inappropriate way. Like, um, you know, alcohol, uh, uh, whatever kind of medications, um, whether it is smoking weed or whatever, like, and, and, and that doesn't, that doesn't lead to anywhere good. I mean, uh, if that, if that kind of thing worked, should we all be at it and, and recommending it? The, the downside is it doesn't work. And um, when uh, a person goes down that path, um, then they they find out the hard way that it doesn't work when they're um, maybe <coughs> in treatment or, mm. or, or, or whatever. Um, another thing like this that one should think about maybe is uh, a hobby. Yeah. Um, now, it doesn't have to be a kind of... Uh, it doesn't have to be five nights a week in the gym or something like that. Um, my, my own one big time, like, would be reading. Um, I'm never, but and I mean never, but in the beginning, the middle, or the end of, of a novel. Um, uh, uh, so that it, it doesn't have to be a kind of a dramatic kind of, uh, of, of a hobby. But it is important to say um, that a bit of exercise, and I'm putting it that way now, a bit of exercise um, is not alone suggested, but it is necessary. It's it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, I was reading a piece just talking about the importance of exercise on all age groups, uh, but in particularly in older people and you know, the, the, the use it or lose it thing, you know, yeah. if, you, if you get sedentary lifestyles. Yeah. But, but there was a piece where they were talking about the mental health benefits of getting out and about. And, and, you know, and we're not saying to older people, you've got to go out and run a marathon, but just even get out and get a bit of fresh air. And particularly this time of the year with the dark evenings, dark mornings, you know, a bit of daylight. You know, we spoke about SAD a few weeks ago, getting the natural daylight into you. It's just so important. And you'll feel so much better afterwards. You do. And and and, and the, the, the other side of that is that if you don't do it, you ha- I'm talking for myself, like I'd have that bit of old guilt. Yeah. I yeah. didn't do it. And then when guilt sets in, you're, you're yeah. ruined. Okay. Yeah. We've got to leave it there. Listen, once again, happy International Men's Day to Thank you. you. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme program today. Thank you. Yeah, good afternoon to you. That is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Boherboy. His number is 029766617 and I want to congratulate our winners of the diaries that we gave away today. The Travel Journal is going to Kay O'Sullivan of Ballygriffin. Congratulations to you Kay. The Young Person's Diary is going to Eddie O'Connor in Inniscarra. The Gratitude Diary is going to Nora O'Donoghue in Torelton in McCroom. The Student Journal is won by Eileen Hartnett in Kiss Game. And our genius 
Diary, if I can move the screen, is going to Betty Kyohan in Banji. Congratulations to all of our winners. And what's in, I, I'm not surprised by this. John Paul says the we asked people if they wanted to request the diary or the journal that they'd most like to win. And for people who didn't, you can into the general draw. That's the way we did it. But I like the idea of passing on something that I feel will be of benefit to somebody. John Paul tells me that the most requested of all of the journals that we listed out, there was the travel, the young persons, the gratitude, the student and the genius. The most requested was the Gratitude Journal. Isn't that lovely? We have such fantastic listeners. Uh, Nora Dunhu in Terrelton is the winner of the Gratitude Journal. May you fill your Gratitude Journal with lots of things that you're grateful for. Uh, Nora, and congratulations to all of our winners. Kay O'Sullivan in Valley Griffin, Eddie O'Connor in Ascari, Eileen Hartnett in Kisgame and Betty Kohan in Bantry. We'll have those in the post to you. Make sure you're tuned our way tomorrow because as was announced earlier today, Diana Ross is live at the Marquee on June the 25th next. Tickets will go on sale on next Monday the 25th of November because they'll make wonderful, wonderful Christmas presents. So next Monday from 9, ticketmaster.ie but we've got a pair of the very first tickets to give away tomorrow before they ever go on sale. We'll be giving them away on the programme here. So if you are a Diana Ross fan I went to see her the last time that she was on in the marquee and she was stunning. You know when people say get you to name what was one of your best concerts you know to date when you look back in concerts to date I would have to say up there really high was the Diana Ross concert. I thought she was fantastic. Utter diva. She was brilliant with massive frock changes as I kept saying at the time. It was great. So that's something to really look forward to on in the marquee on June the 25th. But we've got tickets to give away tomorrow. If you are a Diana Ross fan or you have a Diana Ross fan in your house, then make sure you're tuned our way tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock and who knows this time tomorrow you could be winning those uh, tickets. That's where I have to leave you though for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. As always, Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10 onto the line. Patricia Messenger, good afternoon. Here at C103, we're giving away shopping vouchers worth a total of €5,000. €5,000. C103's Christmas Covered is your chance to win a €500 one-for-all voucher. So you can enjoy a free festive shopping spree. Listen at 9, 2 and 5 every day to count the Christmas bells. Then text or WhatsApp the total amount for your chance to win. Save our number. 0862-103-103. C103's Christmas Covered. With Dennis and Mary Ryan Bishopstown, where the new 2020 C5 Aircross has arrived. Open seven days. See Ryan's.ie. Listen at 9, 2 and 5. Count the bells and you could win. Starts Monday. Only on C103. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.